would be kind of hard for uh, anyone to express themselves in a, in a time like this, to say how much I appreciate this privilege of being here this morning and, uh, and among you to minister with, with the Word of God, which I'm sure you're acquainted with. And, and I want to thank Brother Leo and Brother Gene and all you people for this grand opportunity. And as I was hearing the, the first hymn to the last, there's something about that singing. It's a worship that uh, you just don't find no more. And it's always a, a great privilege for me when I come up here about once a year or twice to get to just fill yourself up with that goodness and them songs. And I was thinking this morning when Brother Leo uh, announced the song of they come from the east and west, and about my wife singing that when I left to left her and and Billy and Rebecca to start this great uh, revival of the spearhead of it, rather as it swept the nation. And I was thinking as I looked across this pretty, clean-looking bunch of ladies. I remember Mita then was one of them. She was a little black-headed girl and. Now she's like myself. We're getting old and gray, and our times are running out. And yet, with this grand hope that we'll be gathered together again in Him, where there will be no more time, old age, nothing to hinder us or bother us. I don't believe it. I know any place that I've ever seen in my life, especially with this many people, where there were so many nice. Christians with this love don't never let that die among you just remember I uh, used to have a little the saying amongst the people uh, my wife's name was Hope my first wife Billy's mother there used to, there's three of us then that was Hope and myself and Billy they used to call us Hope, Faith and Charity <laughs> and so uh, I seemed to have a burly faith like in those days to believe that this word was true and what God had promised he would do. and But you see, the greatest of this is charity, is love, like Brother Leo expressed this morning. Uh, love. Where there is tongues that shall cease, where there's prophecies that will fail, but when charity, which is love, it always will endure. See? Dear dying lamb, thy precious word shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Ever since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supplied, redeeming love has been my theme, and shall be till I die. I think there's nothing greater than love. And love, if we can't express it, now we can say that we have love. We're just saying that. But when we can really express what we said that we have, then we show it in ourselves. Now, we're not a perfect people. We make our mistakes. We do things that's wrong. But you see, love covers all of that. We're willing when we see our mistakes to come back and apologize to one another. That, that's, that's warriors. That's, that's really men and women. It's gallant. Any man can go out to the battlefield. It's got nerve enough to walk out there. But when he gets knocked down, they get up and try it again. See, there used to be a song that a young man and young woman used to sing in the church. Uh, if I fall or if I fail, uh, see, if I fall or if I, I forget how it goes, let me rise and try again. Forgive me, Lord, and try me one more time, see. 
if I fall or if I sin, let me rise and try again. Just forgive me, Lord, and try me one more time. And with uh, as many as 120 people here together, you're bound to, to find things sometimes. The enemy will sweep in among you and through your minds and, and start this, that. Just stop when he does. Think back. Think of this morning. Think of the times when you're sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Some of you are plumbers and some are carpenters and some this, that, and the other. You rub arms with the world each day when you're out there. But when you see those things and great temptations rise, just remember these little sacred places where you're sitting together with the only thing that lasts. Your jobs will fail one of these days. Your health will fail. Even your life, your own earth will fail. But then that won't fail. And if he's the center of all things, then let's keep our minds on the center post. What has drawn us to this? Now you're a nice, clean-looking bunch of people. I don't mean so much your clothes. Your clothes are clean, of course. And things, your faces. I think these little ladies, you're not a speck of lipstick on one of them. All of them with long hair. Young and old, middle-aged and all. Just think. Well, you just don't realize what a treasure you got here. Maybe this little chapel service. I want to thank Brother and Sister Shunts also and for this privilege of being in their home. And uh, uh, this is their home now that they have sold their property, I think, in Canada and have come down to sojourn with us. We don't have no more earthly possessions. We're seeking a city to come whose builder and maker is God. And I thank uh, Brother Leo and Gene for the truest they have been to the vision that was given to them when we first met. No doubt what he's told you many times. It's strange. I didn't see it just like this. I knew there was something ahead. One young fellow came to me as a, with a dream that he had of a pyramid, standing up in this pyramid. And he climbed up to where I was at. And I was standing out in a saucer, a plate or something like a light. He said, Brother Brandon, how do you get up there? And I said, Brother Leo, God has to put a person in this position up here. I said, now that you've seen, return back to the people and tell them that you believe it's of God. And uh, little knowing then, uh, when I had a place, I, I loved the boys and I wanted to, to put them in a, a position where I could be with them. And they started making tapes. But you see, as far as myself, there's still been making tapes, as far as I know. But what a greater thing God has did for them than to make tapes. Most anybody can make a tape. It's got the intelligence to turn on a tape recorder or can sell. But it takes guidance of the Holy Spirit to guide a little group together like this this morning and keep them together in harmony and unity. And still clinging to the message. God, may you, may you grant to this people long life here on earth, happiness and joy, and then enter into the joys of the Lord at the end of the road. We are now ready for a battle. The trumpets, the sound, the hymns have been saying, now comes the word. I think as I stand here that you don't, yes, you probably do, but to hear these comments of these young soldiers here and myself getting old and listening around and what, your faith and confidence in what you've placed and to believe the message that, that I have been given of God. Now, if it wasn't for you all, the message would do no good. 
It's, it's got to be somebody to believe it. And as long as it's coming from God, there's going to be somebody to believe it. This is, God has made a way. He, he's fixed this great economy like that, that when he sends forth something, there's something there to meet that something. The deep responds to the call of the deep. It's, it's got to be that way. I like the word that Brother Gene used in prayer this morning in his August courts. I feel that way when I cross that bridge down there to, to come in where God is revered and respected and always keep it that way. No matter when the enemy, now remember, don't forget that. Brother Leo and Gene especially. Now you think Satan's going to let this go on like this without a hindrance? Oh no. He sure won't. He's going to fly in one of these days just like a whirlwind. But when the when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises a standard against it. Just keep lifting yourself up in prayer before God. Cling to one another. Hold to God. For if you love one another, it shows you love God. This will all men know that you're my disciples. When you have love one for the other. And I thought a while ago, what beautiful singing, what fine voices, what a fine group of men and women, husbands and wives, young, old, and middle-aged, sitting together here. I thought, well, they ought to have it down in Prescott. They ought to be down there. And it ought to have a little radio broadcast like that. Then you see, that would be just exactly what God's called these young men to do. See? See? The bride is being called out. See? Called out. Now, my work is out here to call. And then things like this is where you colonize yourselves together and hold yourself where you want to bring up your children, each one watching each day like the eye of an eagle, watching over their young so that you won't. If you see anything wrong, then you call that person aside and pray over it and things like that. Keep it pure, holy, so the Holy Spirit can have a place to visit. God is, likes to be worshipped. And when you worship Him, it just isn't exactly singing the song as we do, but singing it in the spirit of worship. And you feel the Holy Spirit bounce back. I see a great big young man here. Just think of the day, that group of young fellows sitting there, young boys and their little wives sitting along here. And, and big, rough man sitting there just crying like a little baby. Well, look at the day. They're out here on the street living in adultery and filth of the world and things. And to think that you could come apart and gather like this where as the psalmist said, Behold how sweet and pleasant for a brother to dwell together in unity. It's like the anointing oil that was on Aaron's beard that ran to the hems of his garments, which that anointing oil, which, you know what the anointing oil did, it preserved him to go in the presence of God. See, he had to be anointed with that oil before he went in the presence of God. And when brethren can dwell together in unity, it's likened to that oil. We then enter into the presence of the Lord with that anointing of brethren together in unity. All represents the Holy Spirit. Now, can we have just a word of prayer before entering into the study of the Word? Heavenly Father, as our brother has expressed this morning, the entering into the august courts of the Lord. But Father, we realize this group of people here, now what I say, I'll have to answer for it the day of the judgment. And this is your children. Bless them, Father, continually. Bless Brother Leo and Brother Gene. May they be led by your Holy Spirit to guide these people as we make this pilgrimage to the sunset. And then, O oh, Holy Ghost of God, guide us to the sun. Grant it, Lord. Break the bread of life to us through the Word. And we're, now we realize that we're in battle now. 
were putting on pieces of armor like your own these soldiers which they'll have to fight with in the hours that is left in life. And I pray, Lord, that you'll rightly place every piece where it belongs, where they can be shielded against the, uh, the enemy whenever he comes against them. Grant it, Lord. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, I'm rather slow in, in speaking because um, I'm not a trained minister. I know there's people here that's smart, intelligent, intellectual, and have laid that aside to come over now and break themselves down to you know, humility. Great Paul, the apostle, I think of his words when he said that I did not come to you with the enticing words of man, because there you place your faith in that, but I come to you in the power of the Spirit. See, the great things that he knew he had, he laid aside. I feel this morning like man here, like Brother Huey and uh, Sister Teacher here from the mission fields, and many of you people who are really intelligent and smart. And I, I feel very little to stand here with no more education I had before you, but I, and then to see that you people like that would, would humble yourself to them things and lay it aside and sit down and listen to a person that hardly knows their ABC. That makes great people out of you. It isn't he that can stick his shoulders out and walk out and it's he that can humble himself. I think character is measured by man, not by the muscles on his arm or by the uh, calluses in his hands, but the bag and the knees of his trousers where he's prayed. I think that's what makes man. Now, I want to read this morning uh, some of the Bible. If, I like the word, don't you? Um, we've worshipped the Lord and we are continuing to worship Him now. Let's worship Him as a, a cutting, sharp-edged sword as it moves through us to find out where we're standing. And I, I say, of course, this is one place I feel that I could could teach the things that I want to say this morning. And of course, Brother Leo and Gene and them will, will exercise upon them as, uh, when we leave and will bring the points out as I heard him so graciously mention his message this morning that he uh, catches that. That you can't say it from a platform like this or on them tapes. But see, just sit down and study them. Just keep studying them over and over. It's hard to understand. So many people misunderstand it. And did you know, little, little flock, it is, it is that way amongst all humans. It always has been. If they could not understand our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, even his apostles, see, then how could we expect to understand in this day? You see, he said, he'd say things that's straight. You know, he wouldn't explain them. He'd just say them. That, like, for instance, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, what, now what, if an, what if a doctor had been standing closed or a nurse or something? in that congregation that day he was talking to. Well, they said, this man is a vampire. See, wants to drink his blood. See, he never explained it. He just said it. But later on, Paul came along and explained it out, how it was taking communion, you know, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And so he just said those things. And finally, at last, the apostles one day, even after the resurrection, uh, one was leaning up on his shoulders. John, he loved his young man. And he said, uh, What is it to you if this man tarries till I come? There went out a stand among them that John wasn't going to, going to die till Jesus returned. Jesus did not say that. He just he said, What is it to you if he does tarry? And of course you read in, in our word how that, that God then, that was said for a purpose. These things are all for a purpose. 
God took that young John and lifted him up in the spirit and saw his coming over into the, the age that is to come. So he said, what is you if he tarries? He didn't tarry in physical, but, but the word that he spoke through him <laughs> brought us to this age where we are now, you see. So it all works together for good. In Romans, a very familiar chapter, I want to take a, a few verses here, and uh, first two or three verses, two verses I think it is, and read. And in this, uh, try to explain it the best that I know how by the help of the Holy Spirit. Romans, the twelfth chapter. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I thought that was so beautiful for this group this morning. What you done? Now, and, and it's a conjunction, as I understand, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what we all want to do, is be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind to do the perfect and acceptable will of God. Now that we have been saved as we are, and that we have been filled with the Holy Spirit as we have, now we want the mind that was in Christ to be in us that we might be transformed from the natural things of life uh, and be brought in to do the perfect will of God by transformation of God's Spirit by His Word. Now, my subject is the power of transformation. I may leave my Bible here. Now, I used to be years ago when I was a young man like these men. I, I didn't have to set down my scriptures and, and things when I was studying. But now, since I have uh, getting old, I, I, I carry me a little book. And, I, and when I get something, I jot it down. Have to put it on the scripture. And used to, I just had that line of scriptures right in my mind. I just come right down. But, dear friends, I'm not young like you all this morning. But I'm old, and I've been through many hard battles. See, and by going through those hard battles brings you where you are this morning. See? So I'm sure you understand that God has put me to it that my life might open up a way to say, this is it. And you all run over that road. But before me, there was someone opened up the way for me to go. See? And we open up the road one for the other. And as you see, sometime an old veteran getting old and his uh, marks all over him, as Paul said one time, I bear in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. You see? How Timothy looked upon those marks, I guess, with reverences he committed to young Timothy. Now, uh, Transforming. I used to work for a public service company where we had transformers and to transform. Now the word is the word means in itself uh, something uh, like uh, to transform means something has been changed. Something has changed from one thing to another. And as I want to speak for the next forty-five minutes or an hour on on the transforming, I would like to to use uh, this text, and I, I may say some things in here that seems very strange. And as Brother Lee always just said, take it in this study over a little while. See, just think of it for a little bit. 
To be transformed is to be changed, to made something different. Like a, a tadpole is transformed from a tadpole to a frog. See? Once he's a looks like a catfish. He swims around, he's, he's got a head and his tail and everything looks just like a, a catfish. Then after a while he begins to lose he loses the tail and he's he's transformed from one species to another. I think that's what Paul must have had in mind when he said, Be transformed by the by the renewing let me get that right. And be not conformed, you know what conformed is, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind. The things that you once thought upon to be precious, lay that aside and be transformed to something else, to what you was one time, to what you are now. See, by the renewing of your mind that you might prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oh, that's what we all know how to do it, see. We're here, we love him, he saved us, now we want to know what to do. And we were trying to take a little step this morning to raise up just a little bit higher. Sometimes we have to hit things that you hold on for a few till we see what it comes out to be. Now, in Genesis, the first chapter, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We realize that the water... And the Bible said in the beginning, uh, back there, that this, the world was without form and was void. There was nothing but just a darkness of chaos. And, uh, and what a horrible shape it must have been in. Nothing but way into the darkness yonder without light or anything. And the churning of the water, as that wandering star um, twisted around and around the orbits out there somewhere. It must have been a... Terrific mass of, of, uh, of something lost, like it was couldn't find its way, and that's what we become when we become wandering stars away from God, just without hope, without God, without just turning around out in darkness, not knowing when we where we're going. And God took that great chaos of darkness and transformed it into a garden of Eden. See, by His Word. That's how we're transformed by God's Word. When God said, Let there be light, and that mass of creation out there come over in around the sun and begin to revolve around the sun and became a garden of Eden because it obeyed the Word of God. It done the perfect will of God, for it was transformed from chaos into a garden of Eden by the Word of God. Now, that's what we are here for. That's my message has been all along is the Word of God. We must hold to that regardless of what other things take place. Always stay with that Word. Always to, uh, uh, check out your motives and objectives if it is according to the Word of God. If it isn't, leave it alone. See? But if it's with the Word of God and lines up with the Word of God, then that you hold to that. Now, God sometimes... Just like your little group here this morning, he lets it not happen just overnight. He lets God. We're the one that gets in a hurry. God's never in a hurry. He just says it. And it's going to be. Or when he says anything, it's got to be. It's just going to be. He, he lets it take its time. He let the Hebrew children and famous characters of the Scripture that was standing on God's word to be true. They said, Our God is able to deliver us from this fight for us. Nevertheless, 
See? We won't bow to the image because it's against the word. See? Although if he slays us, he'll raise us up again. See? See? They, he let them walk right up to the age of this great furnace and drop into it before it seemed like he even paid any attention, like he wasn't even watching. But he's always watching. You know? He's always watching for this. Now, God said, let there be light. And 6,000 years it took this Eden to come into existence. And we're taught in the scripture, for one day upon the earth is a, 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 a thousand years with God. Well, a thousand years upon the earth is one day with God. So it took 6,000 years to make this earth and to bring it into an Eden. But you see, it was God, the great master of all intelligence. And he, he had in his mind what he wanted to do, just like when the man that built this trailer, when the man that, uh, when uh, your brother here that designed this park, how you'd make it, it was in your mind, you kept working that vision out. That's what God did about the world. He worked, is in his mind. And if you notice, it come like by evolution, like he was learning more all the time, making something great. And just let it evolute up to that to see Everything he began to bring up on the earth from botany life and fish and so forth that come on into birds and animals and then something in his own image, a man, and stop there. See? Because it was up to his perfection of what he wanted. That's why you start like this trailer. You might lay the frame down and you say, what are you doing? Like you, when you all move the first rocks away from this corner here. What are you doing? See? And it looked like it'd be like it is now. It looked like a little even because it was in your mind what to do. And you just kept working up. Now we want to be transformed ourselves by the renewing of our mind. See, not what we have on this earth, what we are going to look for on this earth, but what we are coming to in the world that is to come, transformed by renewing of our mind. Now, 6,000 years, uh, God taken to make this, and we see in Genesis 1. Yet. Now, we see that in this, God had an had a objective that he wanted to bring to pass. And um, so many people in teaching on Genesis, back here in the first chapter, and the second chapter, and third chapter especially, it looks like a God repeats himself. Or he says, he went ahead and said, all these things that he did, oh, I, let there be light, and let there be this, and let there come forth. And there wasn't even one thing yet. There was nothing. There wasn't a light that... That old world was still floating out there in that darkness covered with water. But see, he had spoke his word. And then, that's when he was speaking. Now, we notice here in Genesis 1, uh, he said, And he formed man in his own image, in, the, in his own likeness, in the image of God, made, he, he made him male and female. See, he was making man. He just spoke the word. Then we find out, after his many days that passed, maybe hundreds of hundreds of years, there was still no man to till the soil. Nobody to till the soil. So then God formed man out of the dust of the earth. See, he had spoke the word, and then the word had to take place. Now he said, let there be light. Maybe it might have been hundreds of years, maybe 800 years before there ever was a light. But it come to pass because God said so. And God's going to have a church. I don't care how many dark ages we go through and whatever more. He's going to have a church without spot or wrinkle whether we're part of it or not, because he's already said it was going to happen. It's going to be there. And, and he uh, commanded to, to transform it into the plant life and whatever life that he put forth. He said these words like, let there be a palm tree. Let there be an oak tree. Let there be a fir. Look down the desert where we live uh, down here in Tucson. 
Out on there, there's cactus, jumping cactus, all kinds of cactuses. Just 30 minutes from there, there's Sherman Pine up on top of the mountain. Now this uh, a cactus will not grow up there, and neither will that Sherman Pine grow down here. Now where was the intelligence that planted the seed? They had to come from somewhere. It was God's Word. Let there be. And it was. Now, we find out that all this after he had made it, transforming it into the, its kind and its life, and, the, and it's all put in by the Word of God, the Creator. It all, we find out that this all headed up in a headquarters called the Garden of Eden, and God put His Son and His Son's bride over it all. This great creation, he had a reason for it. He made everything so pretty. He made the flowers and the life and the birds. And there's no death, no sin, no sorrow, no sickness. And then and all this great thing headed up into one big headquarters, which was the Garden of Eden. And there he put his son, Adam, and Adam's bride, wife. Now, you might say it was his wife. Potentially it was his wife, but he had never, never really been his wife yet. Like in the scripture, we find out where he said... Uh, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take and thee marry thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. See? Now, it was his wife when he made the promise to marry her, or to have her, but yet it wasn't his wife yet because he had never knew her as a wife, so that's the way it was here. reason I said God's son and his bride, Adam had never knew his wife as a wife, but yet it was his wife, potentially, just like the church now and Christ. Now, then all could rest because all of God's good word seeds that he had spoke had brought forth of its kind. The earth come over, there was light, there was sunshine. When he let the sun shine, now why did he make the sun shine? He had in his mind, see, that if the sun don't shine, the flower won't grow that's speaking to existence. He makes everything to meet its purpose. Whatever it is, like a tree, it, it bears a certain acorn or it bears an apple. It, he makes the fruit of the garden and so forth. It's all for his purpose. And everything had come to pass, and he had spoken. Now the only thing he had to do, after spoken it, he speaks it rather, he could go to rest because he had spoken, and it was all has to come to pass because he had spoken. I don't know how much you had to go through before it come to pass, how many rejects and whatever more, but it had to come to pass because he said it would come to pass. He had spoken. The same thing it is about having a church here in the last days. He's going to have a bride. <laughs> He's able to these stones to rise children to Abraham. If we don't follow him, he'll get somebody else that will follow him. See? He's going to have it because he's already spoken. Whatever he says, it has to be that way. It cannot change. It must come forth that way because he said it would. And all the, this great thing that he knew would come to pass after he, he had spoken, he could take a rest. Everything under control. His seed was his word, and his word is a seed, Jesus said it was, and everything would be all right because he had set forth to bring forth of his kind, transforming only to its kind. See, his word had to be of its kind. If he said a palm tree, he didn't mean a palm and oak mixed together. He meant a palm tree here and an oak tree here, everything positionally in its place. Oh, if we could only learn that, that what part of the word we are we must take our place, no matter what is up. Think of a little sister here in a wheelchair sometimes. How many faithful prayers has been made over? Then we don't understand, so we just commit it to God. And with, uh, she's a flower here among you, with her pleasantness and everything. See, that we can get up and go around how she would long to do that. But yes, she's pleasant. 
just the way she said. So I was always get inspired to watch the little lady. See, because uh, she, we all believe in healing. We've seen God do miracles far beyond that. See, and she knows that too. See? But she willing to take her place. See, whatever it is, that's what we want. And uh, I believe it's David said, I'd rather be a doormat at the house of the Lord than to dwell in tents with the wicked. You see, no matter what it is, take my place. Sometimes you have to separate from everything that's dear on earth to you to take your position that God has called you to. I'm sure you can read between the lines what I'm saying. See? Sometimes the very dearest person on earth you have to shake hands with him to take your position in Christ to where God has called you. See? But what's God doing? Transforming you from what you was, maybe a daughter, son, or whatever it is, from a lovely family sometimes. He places you somewhere else because it's his way of doing it. See? By the renewing of your mind to obey the Word of God regardless of what the price is. See, these things don't come... It didn't call our redemption wasn't a cheap thing. It was the Son of God had to die for us. See, it is things of value come of great price to bring this message. It wasn't easy. No, it isn't. I had to forsake everything that was dear to me, even my own people, everybody. But you see, the value of it is, you see, is to do the will of God and to do that which, knowing there's something in me when they used to say, "Well, they're going to put me away." I thought I lost my mind. Baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ, contrary to the church, and all these things that said, he's crazy. But you see, no matter what they said, there's something has to be done. And God just takes a person, sticks them in his hand, and says, do this, and you do it. How a price it might have been to St. Paul, taught under Gamaliel, the greatest teacher of the day, and to come down in the very thing that he considered heresy, the things that he thought that was the worst things that could have happened to the church. He comes right around and becomes a partaker of it. What a strange thing. How God works in wondrous ways, in strange, odd ways, His wonders to perform. When God has spoken, He knew His word was a seed and it, could, it would bring forth of its kind. That was commanded to bring forth only of its kind. And it will always do that if man don't tamper with it. And so would God's church and everything else bring forth of the kind like it was at the first if Theologians didn't tamper with that word, trying to put it somewhere else or something else. God has spoke it, and no matter how much they can, they kind of contaminate and tamper it and so forth, it's going to bring forth of its kind. There's just nothing to stop it. I hope I don't come out of yelling at you all. Is that too loud? Um, see. Now we find everything in order. God's spoken. He said, let there be, let there be, let there be an Eden, let there be beautiful flowers, let there be my son in my own image, stand over there in the Garden of Eden and let his bride stand by his side. Oh, how beautiful what that was in the Father. He was the Father, you see. So there come his own children coming forth. And he made a paradise for them. God loves to do things for his children. Don't you remember how you mothers and how, no matter how you had to lounge the table if Junior needed a good pair of shoes that he liked, you, you do it, see. Whatever it was to do something for your children. Dad, how you'd work a little harder to get <clears throat> something for the children. See? Well, that just shows that we're way down here, a parent. He's the extreme parent. See? Now, how much more? No wonder the apostle said, eye has not seen or ear has not heard. It has to enter the heart of man what God has for them to store that love him. We just can't conceive in our mind. We, our mind isn't eligible of thinking the right, uh, right direction what God has for storing us that love him. See, we, I can imagine what it would be. I can think what it would be. But I, I, my mind's not, uh, not, not capable of thinking how great it is. It's beyond that. 
Could you imagine what heaven would be when we all be there and young and no sin and no, oh, what a beautiful place. But see, it's beyond that. See, we can't even enter the heart of man what God has for them in store. He spoke it, and it's going to be so. Now, after all this beautiful layout that he had there of his, I don't mean to sit in that word layout, but uh, kind of uh, like the, uh, don't the mother before the coming child, uh, don't they call that layout? Uh, they get the all the little uh, booties and everything ready, you know, just for the uh, arriving of this uh, a little uh, uh, portion of love that God has sent him. Get that? That's what God did for Adam and Eve. He created this Garden of Eden. He spoke it. It was in his mind. And when he says it, then it has to happen. Bear that on mind now. What he says, it must happen. See, can't, nothing can, can hinder it. Nothing can keep it from happening. There's nothing to keep it from happening. God said so. That settles it. God said it. It's going to happen. Now, I had all this in mind, and he said, let there be. Now, it's Genesis 1, see. Let there be this. Let there be that. Let there be. He's sowing seed. Let it be there. Let it be here. Let it be here. And he knew it was going to be that way, because it cannot change. Now, that gives us faith, then, that what he said here, it's going to be. So let's let that seed fall into our hearts, that we might be the bedding grounds of that, see, into our hearts, and let us act out this place that he's placed us in in the last days. Let the seed fall in our hearts, Lord. Let thy word fall in my heart. Let there not be any unbelief like Abraham when he's an old man, looked like impossible. How are they going to do that? How is he going to be this way? He never considered that. He just received the word of God and went on believing it, and God brought it to pass. Now, uh, God had said all these things, so he knew it would be, and it did. He brought forth of its kind. Now, that he had transformed then all the seed into the living creature and creation that it was supposed to be. It came up just as he said it would, or she said, let it be. Maybe hundreds and hundreds of years passed, but here we find it, a beautiful Eden and the big birds are flying. Now, birds didn't have to die. And the wolf and the lamb were feeding together, and the lion, the leopard, and the ox, and there's no killing, no death, no sorrow. And there was Adam and Eve walking in the Garden of Eden. Every seed brings forth. It never could do nothing else. It never could do nothing else because God said, let it be that way. It had to be that way. Oh, I'd like to stop here just a minute to say, See, there's where we're facing yet, the completion of that word. Now, God said, let there be, and here it come up first perfectly, just exactly. Now, this tree can only bring forth that tree. This tree can only bring forth this tree. And Adam, a son of God, can only bring forth a son of God. See? You know what I mean? It's everything after its kind. So God could say, well, I'll just rest now. And did you notice, it was very few words that God ever spoke Actually, from that time on, he committed after the fall to his prophets, and they bring forth the word. Now, see, God rested. He didn't have any more to do. They just go to his headquarters, knock on the door, and say, Father, what is it? And he sends the word down by them. See, he has a system in the way of doing those things. Let it be just, and that's the way it was. Everything of his seed bringing forth of his kind. Now, when everything looks so pretty and everything coming to pass just that what God had said, now, here comes that slimy, dirty deceiver. Now, that's what I'm trying to warn you all here about. When you see God's seed begin to take hold, to grow, 
Watch out for that fellow coming in just as slick as he can be. Quote scripture just to who wouldn't have it. See? Watch him. Because he is a deceiver. I'm going to call it, instead of a, a conformer being conformed, he's a deformer. Deforming the things that's been conformed. He's a deformer. And he, a deformer or a perverter or a corrupter of the original seed in the original program. Now, I see here, like in your group here this morning, you've got a program. You've got a, a vision. Now, watch for that corrupter. Oh, he'll be sly and slick as he can be, you see. But keep your vision, see. Keep holding to that. Now, also, we find out that when he come in, he deformed that seed. And he corrupted that seed by getting into the bedding grounds, which is Eve, and corrupting that seed with a corruptible seed before it could get there to corrupt that beautiful garden of Eden where, where heaven, only thing that that is, is just the restoration of where we are now. We are on our road back to that original beginning of the creation of God. Back to the garden of Eden again, husband and wife without without any uh, any sin or anything to live eternally but the the, the not, now he wants us to transform our minds by the renewing of uh, transform be transformed by the renewing of our our mind now satan comes in and puts in a deforming to the word making it say something that it isn't and that's what he did in the beginning and now notice this goes sound awful strange this morning to, to people if I don't wait and base too much thought here before I get to my regular thought that I wanted to get to you, is this, that the deformer came in, and as God had took 6,000 years with the original word to bring forth every word of its kind, and everything that he made would be God's own word bringing forth of its kind, now the deformer has took 6,000 years and to deform that word of God. And what has he done? He's brought himself to a new type of Eden. Satan's Eden. That's where we're living today. How did he do that? How could it happen? Uh, the striking part is how he did it. And that's where we have to, what I'm here for, to lay this down before you so that you can study of it now and with the brothers here and so forth in the weeks to come that you can see how Satan did this and watch how cunning he is. How sly he is. Now, he deformed these seeds. Now, he could not destroy them. He just deformed them. Now, we realize that sin is righteousness perverted. It says a, a lie is a truth misrepresented. See, anything, uh, an adultery is the right act that God ordained, uh, just took in the wrong way. See, anything. And death is a perversion of life. Death just takes... Uh, it deforms life. Now, he had 6,000 years to do it with his poison spray. And how did he do it? Now, this is the striking part. And listen close now. He did it by civilization. Now, that sounds strange, but that's what... I'm going to make a statement here that I'll keep you guessing maybe for a few minutes. I hope not. But did you realize this? Now, I'm not trying to support ignorance, but did you know that civilization, science, Education and the things that we cherish so great today is the very instrument of Satan. Even civilization, civilization never come by God. Civilization come by Satan. 
I'll prove that to you by the Word. Civilization is not of God. Or let me show you. In this civilization, the more civilized we get, as we work through science, we are always killing ourselves. See? And this civilization is built up to its pinnacle now, and we've got death in this civilization, we've got sin in this civilization, we've got sickness in this civilization. That can't be of God. So God, in the, His great own great uh, kingdom it is to come, we'll have a civilization, but it will not be anything like this. It won't be by science. It'll be a faith civilization by the Word. See? This scientific civilization we have is exactly Satan's trap, and that's what he's killed the people with. That's what he's killing us every day with. That's how as we eat each day. Instead of living, we die. They have so perverted everything to even take so much of this and mix it with this and hybrid this and that, that, till it's a dying. It's a dying race. And no matter what you try to do, you die. You seen that picture last night of those Africans. You know why? They never had penicillin. Them people live longer than we do. They don't even know. They, uh, germs don't bother them. See? Why German threw up his hand and surrender at him. See? Because he, see, he don't, uh, he, they don't, why? They haven't all been, see, we'll take science, they'll figure out like a penicillin or something, they'll place in us to, to take this disease out, and it tears down something else and makes a bedding ground for something else. See? Now, he don't do that. See? Now, any, many of you people come from farms. Anyone knows that a good, healthy plant never needs to be sprayed. It's, it's got a repellent on it itself of life that a germ won't even get on it on a real, on a real healthy plant. It's this hotbed plant. It's this hybrid plant. You have to baby. For instance, some of you fellows here are Westerners here. Look back at the time of the old longhorn cow. Today you say you got a better beef with your, with your herbert. Have you? You haven't. That old longhorn cow, not taken up for the old girl, but she could, she'd winter out here like a deer. Oh, she was skinny and everything, but she was twice. This Hereford, you pull hay on him, we take his picture up to his tummy and early to show his beef to the hawk. And what is it? You turn him loose out there, he'd die. He couldn't winter it if he had to. You have to feed him and everything else to take care of his baby him around. He's a hybrid. But a real genuine one, that old longhorn, just turn him loose. <laughs> That's the way today with our Christians. we got so many we have to soft soap to beg them, put them, make him a deacon in the church, pat him on the shoulder, make him some great position in the church, or if you don't, uh, he, he, won't, uh, he won't come in. If you don't let this one do this and this one do that, it's babying. Could you imagine genuine Christians being that? They were rugged. They were burly. Could you imagine St. Paul being that type of a Christian? Could you imagine St. Peter being that? Uh, if you don't make me general overseer, well, I don't know, I might go join so-and-so. They were rugged men. They were a man of faith. They lived with God. They walked with God. They are the man of few words. They served God day and night, constantly. You didn't have to spray them and baby them and offer them this, that, or the other. They were man, rugged. They were genuine seeds, not high-bred in denominations. A few of the Methodists don't treat me right when I go to Baptists. The Baptists don't treat me right when I go to the Pentecostals. They don't treat me right on... Go back to the Catholics here, whatever more. See, they, it's a hybrid. Have to keep them sprayed. Yes, Doctor, Reverend, Brother, so and so. That ain't Christianity. Christianity asks, asks no titles. It asks no favors. It only knows God. It's true. original seed. It loves God. It loves one another. There's no spraying on them and babying them and patting them around and saying, yes, well, this sister, well, I believe it's all right for her to have short hair. This and not and and. Uh, 
There's no such stuff as that. Let them get by with this. It's, it's rugged. It's the gospel. Lay it out there. Let it fall where it will. Christians love it. Must I be carried home to heaven on a flower bed of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? Must I be patted on the back and this, that, and the other and bathed? I expect my place not yearning with the rugged. I expect not to come up there with no trophy scars at all. If I must fight, if I must reign, increase my courage, Lord. Let me stand like a Christian, not to be a, a hybrid plant, not to be babied and petted and brought into something. You're not brought in anyhow. Christianity, you're born in it. You become a new creature. You're a seed of God that comes into the earth. Now, now we find out that he sprayed this uh, poison uh, spray, and that spray was a spray of modern understanding, education, science, and civilization. The very things that we cherish so much. Did you ever stop to think that our great enemy in the natural life today and among the nations is communism? What is the god of communism? Civilization and education. Science. That's right, isn't it? That's what they live on and thrive on. It's science. Scientific. Science is the god of science. Now, if you would just... And with the poison spray of this modern civilization, science and education, now let me prove to you that education and civilization come from the devil. Now let us turn back here just if you want you to Genesis, fourth chapter. All right? Now let's begin with the 16th verse of Genesis 4, 14 here, or Genesis um, 4, pardon me. Now notice, Satan, you people follow these tapes with our, our brother here. Now, you've heard me preach on the serpent seed, and that cannot be denied. That was opened up in one of those seven seals. It was hid. Now, if children has come up under that time, see, under that kind of teaching, that's what their parents was. They have the nature of their parents, their denominations, and so forth. They have to believe that. See? They believe that because they're born under that parent. But today, we're not born under that parent. Our parent. Is a word in a word. Well, say, I was born under God too for that age. But this is the climax age. This is the age beyond those denominations. There had to come forth, must come forth. God ordained it so that there must come forth. Them seven seals must be opened. It was supposed to be done in this lady of sea and age. And I think beyond any shadow of doubt, not as we brag. We have no brag only on Jesus Christ. None of us. We only brag on Jesus Christ. But we're thankful. With the, for the privilege of knowing but any, beyond any shadow of doubt God has chosen us in this last day and has proven it by the signs in the heavens and in the earth and every one of them coming right straight back to the Word to prove that it's so. This age that we live in, the message and how it is. We're not a cult. We're not a bunch of fanatics. We are servants of God that's been called by the Holy Ghost. You'll have all kinds of names tacked to you but that don't mean it's so. Now, remember... Satan's son was king. Now, I think you all been through all the tapes, which I see your libraries out here of them. Now, remember that Eve become pregnant by Satan. And in the same day, we got a case of it in Tucson now, that a woman, if she becomes, uh, she lives with two men, she can have two different types of children. We know that. I know it in breeding dogs and things and so forth. If it's right away. So Satan, that morning, perhaps met this evil one, which was a serpent, not a reptile, but a beast, most subtle, cunning, smart, 
of all of the beasts just under man, and man is beast himself, and we're, we're a mammal, warm-blooded animal, and, and Satan was the next link here, this um, serpent was the next thing to a man, from a chimpanzee stand between man and, and the chimpanzee. Now, science is looking for that missing link, and it's so hid by uh, taking him down, and even not a bone in him looks like a man, see, making him a reptile. Now, we find now that this fella found Eve in the Garden of Eden, this young woman that know no sin, know not what her nakedness was, and he knew, his smart, subtle wife, and he told her that the seed, was, the, the, the fruit was pleasant and it was desirable. And when he lived with her that morning, then, see, then the afternoon she persuaded Adam to do the same thing, telling him what it was. And then Adam, deliberately, knowing he ought not have done it, walked out with his wife and did this act, which finally he would have come to it anyhow. But see, it had to be that way, the wisdom of God, because then that displays his attributes to be a savior, father, healer. You've heard me preach on that, see. Now, if that hadn't been done, he just let him out there on free moral agency to let him act. He couldn't make them do it and then still be just, but he could put them equal with him in free moral agency and then let them do it themselves, and he knew they would do it. And so then, you see, then when Adam lived with, she brought forth twins, and one of them was of Satan, and one of them was of Adam, which was of God, Cain and Abel. And that happens. we got a case there in Tucson now that a, that a white woman lived with her husband one morning, and that afternoon she lived with a Negro. And one of the little boys, the two little boys is born, one of them is a little kinky-headed Negro, and the other is a, a blonde-headed kid, real pretty in the, the paint now. She's trying to make the white father take care of both children, and he said, I'll take care of my own but not his. Let the Negro man take care of his own child. So see, it's true. There's always twins. And that's the reason. Don't forget this little flock. The church in the last days is going to be twins. So close to deceive the elected, Matthew 24, 24. See? The church is going... It's a Pentecostal move. It's so much like the real thing till it would deceive the very elected if it was possible. A little later on, if I get the chance, I want to explain what, how that election comes. See, it's going to deceive them because it's almost like the same thing. See, just two fathers. That's all. Same mother, same church, same movement, same thing. The betting ground is the same. For the word falls, but one of them, like here, is perverted. You understand? Say amen if you do. See, one of them is a perversion because it's a wrong father. Which I will prove someday, if God will let me, that denomination is the mark of the beast. See? It's the wrong father. It's stirring people to an organization instead of to the Word. See? It's the wrong father. It's a cane move. When I go home this time, I'm preaching on the subject, the trail of the serpent, the beast at the beginning, and the beast at the end. And trail him right through the Bible and show how he heads up. And you all get that on the telephone, see, if the Lord permits us to do it. And now just watch how cunning that fellow is. How he's just exactly just, well, they're just like Judas and Jesus there, both brothers in the tribe. They're just like Esau and Jacob, and, and like the, the crow and the dove sitting on the same roost, and everything is a twin. And, and, uh, and this uh, great uh, warfare that we're in, it, the enemy uses deception like he did to Eve. Oh, God has said, surely, but, but surely, see? He tried to reason it beyond what God said originally. Thou shalt die. He said, yes, God said that, but surely. See, that's spray over. But what God says, God keeps. He don't need any help from Satan. He keeps it. 
So don't ever be deceived by that. Now, we notice then that it brought forth of its kind now in Genesis. Here we find out after the spring of this poison of knowledge. Now, science is knowledge. And all we hear is science, 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 science. The great subject in school is science. Today, a better automobile, a better this, a better home, a better house, a better this, a better that. What are we doing? Dying all the time. Create an automobile, we quit walking. Quit walking, we return to blubber. Well, we don't have man anymore, we have jellyfish. That's right. And the woman, all she does, throw the clothes on that, press the button, there it is. When your mammy used to walk to the spring and pack water and chop wood and borrow over a kettle somewhere and fix her clothes like that, and we're so soft that they'd do it to kill us. But we can't help it. This is the age we're living in. Even science says now that little girls are coming into menopause, young women between 20 and 25 years old. I mean them right in the line. If young men go through the middle age between 20 and 25 years old, my mother, my wife went through about 35 to 40. My mother went through from 45 to 50. See? How it's the degenerating in this last days because why? We're working more on science. 150 years ago, the only travel man had was the horse, or by foot. And now he goes by jet, almost by thought. See, science has done it, and that's of the devil. Now you say, that right, Brother Branham? Yes, sir. Let's take Genesis now, 4. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Now watch the first thing he done. You tell me when you think we got enough here, because I stop on this anywhere, see? Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. There he made his mistake, and there's where you'll make a mistake, and that's where I'll make the mistake the very minute we walk out of the presence of God. Cain went from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. See how religious it was? Went around to the east side. East side. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And Enoch built a city. See? Civilization. He built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And Enoch was born Arid, and Arid be- uh, and Arid be- took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Adra, and the name of the other was Zillah. And Adra bare Jabal, and the father of such dwelt in tents, and of such that has cattle, and his brother's name was Jubal, I guess, J-U-B-L. He was the father as such as handled the harps and organs. See? Music, science. He come in. And Zealot also bare Tubalcane, an instructor of ever um, uh, uh, A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E-R, of brass and iron, in other words, kind of molding, putting it together. And uh, the sister of Tubalcane was Naam. And Lemek said unto his wife, Adrian and Zella, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged seven times, truly Lemek sevenfold. sevenfold. Now, notice. As soon as they went out from the presence of the Lord, they started building cities. They started making instruments. 
They started uh, in science to making brass and iron and, and playing music and so forth. See? See? Now, where did he come from? Who went out? Cain. The serpent seed. You understand it? Cain went out. And notice, he went out from the presence of the Lord and started working in science. Now, look where he's still working. Science, education, cities, culture. It's of the devil. Who started it? The devil. Who is it of today? The devil. Atomic bombs and things to destroy us. We live in it. We have to live here. We're a being. We have to stay here. But God's great civilization won't have any of that in it. See? And science is taking, is taking the natural things and perverting it to do things that it wasn't intended to do. And so is scientific religion. It takes the Word of God and makes a church organization out of it instead of doing the things that it's supposed to do. They say the days of miracles is past. The Bible said He's the same yesterday and forever. There is no such a thing as divine healing. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. If they take up serpents or drink that, it thinks it won't harm them. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. What? They're all nations, everybody, every creature. Lo, I am with you even to the end of the earth, into the, the world, cosmos, the whole thing, into the consummation. These absolutely there. And now, see, they take signs and say, oh, well, as long as we gather together and join church and we become uh, this and a good straight member, we pay our... Uh, see, it's, it's not saying, oh, there is no such a thing as God. You heard my tape on the false Christ in the last days. See? Not the false Jesus. Satan no better than that, see? But false Christ. Christ means the anointed one. And they're actually anointed. Anointed with what? The Holy Spirit. To do signs and wonders. And they do it. But see, when it comes down now, we're in the last age. Not back in the Pentecostal age there. We're over here in the last age. And the first age began with the Word, which was Christ. And the last age has to end with the Word, which is Christ. And these other things, these shucks and so forth, as I've explained, is just carriers of the Word to serve its purpose until it comes into the full statue. See? Of what the original green was. Now, 25th verse. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth, for God said, She has appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew, and to Seth, and to Seth to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos, and then man began to call on the name of the Lord. See how that serpent seed went off into science, education, studies, music, and great things, and education, and science, and so forth. But the seed of the righteous one, who it was, see, Eve didn't have a seed. You know that the woman doesn't have a seed. The female, she has an egg, but not a seed, but she appointed the seed. See, appointed for God's appointment, she took the seed. And the great seed, of course, from the woman was that God gave seed. God appointed her a seed instead of the one that Cain slew, that the enemy, death, serpent seed, slew God's seed in perversion there, you see. God appointed to the woman a seed, which is Christ. See, to bring back the original seed again. You see it? And so, you see, the perversion brought death to education and intelligence and what we call today science and religion and so forth. It brought death. 
But she appointed him a seat, and then man began to call upon the name of the Lord. It began to come back to the Word again. See? And remember, follow that seed as we'll track it in a few weeks on this serpent. You follow that? It switches right through the Scripture. Watch it. Them two vines grow right together, as you heard my message on the vine. They come right up together and so close together that it would almost deceive the very elected, if possible, in the last days when it comes to the head. It puts forth a grain just like a wheat. But it isn't a wheat. See? It isn't. It's a shelf, yeah. Now, see there's civilization, education. I think I've got about ten more scriptures you see you wrote down there, but I think not to go through that. But we understand by this that education, science, and civilization is of the devil. Right. It isn't of God. It is of the devil. Now, I don't say you shouldn't have it. No, certainly not. A little later on, I can uh, prove that, that God, just like you wearing clothes, you women, us men, we weren't supposed to wear clothes in the beginning. But see, being we live in this age, we do, we must wear clothes. See? It's appointed to us to do that. We must wear them, but in the beginning, we didn't have to. See? Because we knew no sin. But now we have to. Now we have to have automobiles. Now we must go places and visit and so forth in automobiles and science and so forth. But it isn't of God. It is not of God. Education, but their God's form of education, civilization, science is in its original condition. It goes beyond this, what we're doing. Now look, they take uh, uh, certain things and put certain things together and it makes a chemical that will destroy. Now leave them in the right position, they're all right. Put them together, you're all wrong. See? See, it brings death. And when you try to take the Word of God and put it in religion of this world, you bring death to yourself. It kills the subject. See what I mean? It kills the person. You say, well, now look, you believe in God. Oh, now you don't have to believe that. You, you, you are church. Right? Then that's the boom that kills the, it kills the subject. You've got to let everything fall aside and take the Word only. Stay right with that Word. Don't leave when God said so. That's just what it is. I don't care what education can prove. In the days of Noah, they could prove there was no water up there in the skies, but God said there was coming some down. And it comes. That's right. They say today there's no fire up there to fall, but watch it fall one day. How are we going to do this and do that? Watch God do it. He, he said it would do it. And that seed will take a hold somewhere. Glory to God. The only thing it's looking for today is a bedding ground. Somewhere it can bed. It'll start with somebody and it'll pervert it, spread it like it did Eve. It started in Eve for her to bed forth and bring forth sons of God, not sons of Satan. But she was a bedding ground and it fell in the wrong place. So will the word fall in an unbeliever or doubter or skeptic. You'll make a church member out of never a son or daughter of God. You tell them to let their hair grow, they'll laugh in your face. You tell them to do this or that or man to do it, they'll laugh in your face. It's not sons of God. It's the wrong bedding ground. Yet they're holding the seed. See the false anointed ones? They're anointed, yes, with the Holy Spirit speaking down to do signs and wonders. But it's of Satan. Jesus said, Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have not I cast out devils and work great mighty works and wonders in your name? He said, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. What is iniquity? David said, If I conceive iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. See? Iniquity is something that you know that you ought to do and you won't do it. You know better but won't do it. It's iniquity. See? You know that you should stay with the Word of God, but for the church's sake or somebody else's sake. 
or something else, you'll stray from the Word of God and do what the organization says. Well, I don't know. My church says we should do it this way, and I believe it this way. And you strive before you that you shouldn't do it. That's iniquity. Depart from ye, you that work iniquity. Look at the great St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, Though I speak with tongue of men and angels. Now, you that want, uh, somebody wanted to lay on to that, that's the evidence of the Holy Ghost. Paul said, Though I speak with tongues like men and angels and have not charity like you all have here among you, I'm nothing. See? You can speak with tongues, yes, because it's a word. A preacher can take this word and go forth and preach it and say that word, and that word will grow. But the preacher could be a hypocrite himself. It's a word. See? But the true living creature of God takes all of the purpose of the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out. And you add something else with that, you've got a perverted plant. If I start out here with a wheat and put a, a cucklebur with it and interbreed them together, if it could be done so with the pollen, and put in that, I've got a wheat cucklebur. See? It looks like a wheat, and yet it's a cucklebur. It ain't genuine life. It can't reproduce itself again. See? It'll come forth, but it can't reproduce itself. Uh, a, a donkey can breed to a, a mare horse, and she'll bring forth a mule. But that mule can't breed back to a mule. It's a hybrid. Let every word bring forth of its kind. See? It can breed once, and the church can come as an organization once, but it can't rebreed itself. It brings out another organization. Luther can't breed to Luther. It brought out a Methodist. The Methodist brought out a, a Pentecostal. See? It can't rebreed back because it's dead. It can't start a revival. Where did God ever start a revival in an organization? Look over your history. He never did. It's the organization that forms behind the revival. When Luther, the man of God, came forth with the message of justification, behind him come the Lutheran church. They could never could build up. Then God sent a man by the name of John Wesley. There come a revival. Behind that, what they do? Organize it. Never could bring itself again. See? It's sterile. Hallelujah. But the word of God shall ever endure. That's right. It'll bring forth its kind. Here come a Pentecostal alone. You can't look what it does. Organize. It can't rebreed itself. They can have old Robertsons and everything else all over the country. It cannot do it. It'll hang right back to that old natural breed of the mule. It cannot. No matter how many objections it has, it's still. How many of the spiritual uh, affairs it has and whatever it has is you, you're an adult, you know what I'm talking about. No matter how many husband and wives it has and whatever more, how many little sisters it builds up out here in little churches and organizations, it cannot bring a revival. It's finished. It crossed up to the world from the Word of God and it cannot reproduce itself again. God will raise up some other something and start His Word moving on. And if it organizes, it'll die too. That's right. It cannot reproduce itself because it's a hybrid. Correctly. Look at your hybrid corn today. You see, that's the best corn. It's, it's a killer. It's what's killing you. Your lives wasn't made for it. Your bodies wasn't made for that. Your bodies was made for the original green. That's the reason your fathers and mothers and so forth live longer. That's the reason they were tough. Man, 70 and 80 years old was rough and tough. See? They lived on the natural things. Watch these old mountain men out here live on deer and, and uh, the original green. Put a man in here in a city. Here he comes along a big slop at about 35, 40 years old. Soft? Certainly. Ah, uh, get off the subject, don't No worries. But I'm trying to get it over to you. That civilization, what we call culture. Culture. You hear so much about that. Uh, you ever hear what my estimation of culture was? 
It's a man that ain't got nerve enough to kill a rabbit, but can eat a belly full of it somebody else kills it. So, uh, that's what I, I, I think of culture. See? It's, it's right. See? We don't, God don't come, it ain't the culture of man into God. You don't civilize him into God. He's born a seed of God, from God, always was God, and can never be nothing else but God. You're not cultured into it. Now, how he is, his kind of Eden. And by a deformed seed, Satan has made his great even, his great Eden. Now, what is it? Kosher. Fine. Beautiful churches, fine steeples, fine polished preachers, education, D.A.D., Ph.D., L.L.D., Doctor of Literature, Doctor of Divinity, Doctors of... Every time he's pronounced that, it just takes him that much farther from God. Just throws him plumb away. And the congregations don't want somebody to stand up there and use their words to hit, hate, and tote, and carry, and fetch. They don't want that. They want something beautiful, something. That's the same thing Cain had on his mind, their daddy, at the beginning. Offered flowers and fruits to the land when God wanted sacrifice. The man with the revelation of God, it was blood. Not a pear or peach or plum or whatever it was, or apricot, as they say now. It was the blood that brought us out of the Garden of Eden. A, a degraded blood. A woman that let the seed of the wrong person be planted into the womb and started. Now, we find, to prove the message is just timely, what I'm speaking to you about, to prove it, look at the days of hybriding today, trying to make a prettier species. Look at hybriding, look at the plant life. Here, last summer, was this summer it was, I had a little wildflower, you showed me out there a few minutes ago, come on my mind, a little wildflower I had in a bed there, I had to water that thing twice a day to keep it alive. It was a hybrid. But it originated from another little yellow flower, which was put together with something else to make this flower. And that little guy stood out there when it, you could dig ten feet in the ground. He couldn't find even a, enough moisture to spit. See, it was, it, was, it was just living in the dust, and it was just as pretty, and it didn't have to be watered. It was original. It wasn't hybrid. There was nothing mixed to it. It was genuine flower. And this was something mixed with it. You had to water it and pet it and baby it. See, this shoe didn't. No bugs got on it. We have to spray it and everything else to keep them. Uh, there are flies and gnats and things on them off like that. You don't kill them. You don't have a gnat when come near you. <laughs> oh, that's a real genuine born again Christian. You can tempt him with anything you want to. He's still a Christian. Tempt her wherever you want to be. She's still a Christian. A little lady from one of your brothers here, or some of your people, their church wrote me a letter today. Said, Daddy, don't want me to go to baseball or a basketball game, Brother Bram. We believe, we said, this 12 years old, said, Brother Bram, we believe you have the word of the Lord. And what you tell us now, said, I kind of think Daddy's wrong. But said, what you say, I'm going to believe. Now, that sweet little girl, see. So I thought, well, I said, honey, look, if you are a Christian, you're a Christian anywhere. No matter where you're at, you're still a Christian. But I said, you see, on the basketball floor, what Daddy's thinking about, you hear them kids swearing and carrying on like it, I still believe you'd be a Christian. But you see, Daddy's more advanced in life than you are. See, now I said, now you're 12 years old and said you have a little sister four. Now she wants you to cut paper dolls. Oh, go on. I ain't got no time to cut paper dolls. See, you're far as advanced than little sister. Now that's where the church ought to be today. Further advanced in the Word of God. Not Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostals, Presbyterian, but advanced in the Word. The sons and daughters of God. Hmm. All right. All right. The message being timely proved. By science... By his science and research, you see, they have tried to pervert everything, make a different seed, make a different stuff, make it prettier. Look at our sisters. I remarked a while ago about how pretty they look. 
Oh, you might set him up now here in a world's contest with some of these glory Swansons or some of these strict teases of things over here in California and they'd miss it a million miles, but their domain ain't on that book of fame. It's on the book of life. <laughs> a meek and a humble spirit is a great treasure to God. And the Bible said for our, for our women to adorn themselves with a meek and humble spirit, subject to your husbands and sweetness. That's what's a great price inside of God. Not all this year. That's what they've done. They've Max Factor has beautified women outwardly, which is of Satan. All that stuff is of the devil. Do you know that? Certainly. It's all of the devil. Now, I remember my little wife, when she was pretty and young, she didn't wear makeup. No, she'd come up. I'd baptize her in the name of Jesus when she was little knee dresses like that. See? But now she's getting old. She said, I'm just getting so wrinkled. I said, you know, as you get older, my eyes get dimmer. I remember the way you was, and I remember knowing my heart what you were going to be someday. With the quiet and sweet spirit that you have, God will get us together again over yonder. That's, that name will never be changed then. So why? But you see, in the days of Noah, when the sons of God saw the daughters of man were pretty, they taken unto them women for wives. See, the sons of God saw the daughters of man because they were sexy and, and dressed like that. They, they lusted for the women and they went for them. See? Um, Thankful that you sons of God seem beyond that. Ah, that women make themselves see. But what is it? It's all pretty. It's a hybriding. Take some of them, wash your face. They, you wouldn't know what you'd have. See, <laughs> that's right. Maybe enough temper to find a bus on and, and nasty and honorary and filthy and run around with other men. I don't care what my wife. I I respect loyalty in any woman. When I was a little boy, I always said, if a Negro woman wanted to be loyal, I'd shed the last drop of my blood to keep her that way. See? I respect what's right, the right thing. I've tried to live with that all my life. I was young then. Now I'm old. I haven't changed my ideas a bit. See, sign. In the same pattern Eve did, he also has done to the church, pervert her over. He carried out his plans today through his hybrid church, is modern Eden that we have today. We're living in a scientific Eden. Satan's Eden. A scientific Eden. If you want to turn to it in Isaiah 14, 12, I'll quote it to you if you want to, if you want, 12 and 14. Satan said in his own self, I will exalt myself above the Most High. He'll have a kingdom that he, even the sons of God would worship him. And that's just exactly what he's done. He's done it through church, religion. Like he started in the beginning. Religion. He's done it. Also, as the prophet Paul seen in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, he, he heads up in his great scientific Eden, in this day, in scientific, in education, civilization, and has made himself and will finally head up in the ecumenical council where all churches will have to bow to him. And see what it is? It's that spirit of delusion working among the people Sons of God, which are made in the image of God, and daughters of man, which is made in the image of man, has taken them under falsehood like it did Eve, and has formed himself through his own gimmicks of science and education and culture, to he's got himself a modern, scientific, death Eden, where God, by his word, spoke, and he had an Eden without death. No science, no education like we have today, or no civilization. You see it now? Understand it? 
Now he's got his Eden. Look, all the churches worship him. Second Thessalonians church said, that man who calls himself God, sitting in the temple of God, and all upon the earth shall bow down and worship him, whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the earth. See? It's a modern Eden. Now what's he doing himself? He's moving himself in Rome. His final great eating eating place. You see what that Pope come over here the other day? You notice all them thirteens that happened then? He spoke thirteen words, had thirteen taken communion, uh, uh, spoke uh, in Yankee Stadium, which is thirteen. Everything was thirteen, and our nation's number's thirteen. For here's the thirteenth chapter of Revelation, thirteen stripes, thirteen stars, thirteen bars, thirteen numbers on the coins, thirteen stars on the coins. Everything's thirteen, and a woman. Here comes the Pope, the head to the woman, the false antichrist to the false bride of science, which our world has, our American Eastern world, your Western world has led the world in science, comes to her in his scientific church, and now the whole Protestants is bound to him. On 13. You see it? Everything is a 13. A whole nation, everything else is 13. A woman's world. See? Here we are. We got it. It turned into a woman's world, the Garden of Eden. But it'll be God's world someday. Notice now. Also, uh, uh, these prophets and things is foretold. It. And now all again has come like it was before God moved upon the earth. It's become a spiritual chaos. Certainly it has. Here, notice the second agent tied closely to the first to deceive, almost to take the elected. Notice, I'm going to compare here in just a few minutes. Now I'm going to have to stop because it's 11 o'clock. And um, so... Listen, these two Edens, how this Eden has tried to type, just like Satan did at the beginning to Eve in the real Eden, the first Eden, just watch them type together now. See, we got, now everybody understand clearly, a scientific Eden we're living in. See? Now, it wasn't God's Eden. God's Eden doesn't come by science, education, culture. It comes by the Word. See? Calling all these things as though they were not. Notice, in the Garden of Eden, let's just compare them with Now notice, the man and his wife, head of the, in the Garden of Eden, the pair was naked and didn't know it. Is that right? In God's Eden, the pair was naked and didn't know it. Now, they are naked again and don't know it. Revelation 3, the lady is seeing church, eh, because thou art naked, miserable, poor, wretched, blind, and don't know it. Now, in God's Eden, they were naked and didn't know it. And now in Satan's Eden, they, by science and education, they're naked again and don't know it. What a perversion. Look at today. Look at man trying to wear his wife's underneath clothes. And she's trying to wear his clothes. And he's trying to let his hair grow like hers, and she's cutting hers off like his. Oh, my Man trying to be women, women trying to be man. A perversion. That's the same thing the church is doing. Same thing, the latest CNH. Notice, the reason that they didn't know they were naked in the beginning, there was a Holy Spirit veiled them from nakedness. They didn't know it. The Holy Spirit was over their eyes. They seen nothing but their brother and sister. The laws, they didn't know they were naked. Holy Spirit. Now, the spirit of unholiness, uncleansedness, and lust has veiled them. Education, science. Why, it's scientific. Wear shorts, it's cooler. The Indians teach you better than that. 
They wrap up in a blanket to be air conditioned. See? And put on them. See? Education has absolutely come back to a time the very thing that they think that brought them to culture and civilization has put them back in ignorance again. Worse than they was in the first place. Schooling. Education. Look at schools. Look down there at the University of Illinois. Them boys. How many babies is born for them young ladies there? To them young ladies each year at the university. You think you say this is freaky trash and them boys, them 21 jewels, they call them with lipstick on and, and hair banged and rolled up on curlers and hanging down there. They say that. Dirty neck. Filthy. You say, well, that's this street cat, is it? It's students of the university. They got on a big drunk the other night and they didn't know what to do. And so to have kicks and drinking and adultery and everything like that wasn't enough for them. They broke the bottles and run out the women's door and knock on the door to come punch them in the face, cut one girl's eye completely out and let them disfigured for life. You think they let that out? No. Two of the boys right up down the street and two young married women sitting on the, on the steps and they insulted the women. The cops picked them up and put them in jail. The dean come down there and the whole thing's thriving on that university. It's the only works they got there. So them's my kids. You turn them loose. You turn them loose. There you are. Civilization. Education. Leads to death and chaos and hell. So listen to that stuff. Notice now. He just had to take a little peek to see what the world looked like. You know, a lot of times we have to just wear a little bit of this or, you know, I mean, you just have to take a little bit of peek to see. Now, St. John, 1 John 2.15, God said, If you love the world, or even the love of the world, the love of God's not even in you. The things that's out there are dead. You're circumcised, cut off from it. You don't want the things of the world. You're dead. They're dead. You don't want anything dead. It's rotten. It smells. How can a living to something want something that's filthy like that? See? You're alive in Christ. The Word makes you alive. Mind I think of it in this day that we're living called education. You can't even get in the pulpit unless you got a doctor's degree and so forth. It reminds me of a chaplain one time coming out of the army. He said, he said Brother Bram, after the First World War, said, the chaplain said, a uh, sergeant come out and said, Chaplain, you don't ride out the battlefront with Alan Argonne out there from last hour in France, you know. And said, I went out towards the Argonne Forest and said, He'd take a number of so many tanks had been blown up. And it says on the Easter morning, he said, I just got through, I walked through with the nurse and she's giving those wounded boys American Rose, one of the American Indians, them boys grabbed that rose and scream and cry because they know it come from home. It was from home. And that's the way I think we do the work. <laughs> oh God, it comes from home. See? So I feel pretty up in my heart and said I went out there and said and the, the captain went on out to take a number of how many uh, tanks had been destroyed and things like that that the Holy Spirit said go to that little rock and he looked around and said they stole that mustard and chlorine gas and they just burned all the leaves off the trees wasn't a living thing left and here it was Easter he said what an Easter what an Easter well not even grass on the ground not nothing and said something attracted to a rock he pulled the rock over so there's a little Easter flower under here and be kept under the rock all through the poison gas and said, Oh God, keep me under the rock of ages until all this poison's passed. Let me bloom in that land under. We could stop right here if you wish to, because I, I got so much here, I'd never get to it anyhow, see, of uh, things. So maybe I can come back again and get it to you. Oh, I just got through preaching the other day, a thinking man's filter. You all have read that thing. Produces a holy man's taste. Think, brethren, whatever you do, think. Ephesians 5.26, in there said, and we talk about the word of predestinated. You see, that stumbles so many. I miss God's word. 
he, he uses it for we're predestinated by the word of God. And it, uh, and that we, when you're predestinated, well, it has to happen because it is that God, God chose you because he knows what you do from the beginning. Don't let the devil spray you with education and poison and stuff like that. You have to be modern. You have to be this. You don't have to be nothing but sons and daughters of God. If you're born of the word, you do. Notice that spray. You take a seed, a good seed, and you spray it. It'll, it'll kill it. And when they spray this denominational stuff over the top of you, it'll ruin the influence of the original word. If they tell you you have to do this while the other girls do it, the other man do it, won't you believe that? It'll ruin God's influence of his word upon you. You know that. Our text says, don't be conformed, sprayed, but be transformed. The seed that's in you. People of the day act like they don't even believe there is a God. Do you know that? They act like that. Now, I don't want to call them fools, but they act like it. Because <laughs> Psalms 14.1 says, The fool is said in his heart, there is no God. You shouldn't call a person a fool, but they certainly act like they are. Because they don't, they act like there is no God. This word's just ignored. Look, here the other day they called me in a room to watch... Uh, Billy Paul, I believe some of them had said there was a, a religious program on the television. We don't have television. won't be one in my home, never. But there was a... You want them, that's up to you. But uh, uh, God told me not to do it. And uh, when we moved in, I rented from this sweet old sister up there. She had a television because they had to have it for, for her to rent her house. And uh, I let them look at a religious program. So they, were, they called and said there was a gospel singing on. And you talk about a bunch of Rickies. Up there, act like they call themselves gospel singers. It was a discredit to Jesus Christ to see the way they were kind of shaking themselves and, and these Ricky Fire haircuts and everything. You know, just it just it just looked it just looked like it's a mockery. Came with such a person, religious indeed, certainly, but he had the wrong seed in him, see, and therefore it brought forth the serpent seed. Satan had hissed over this seed of Eden, and that's what brought forth the king. He put his poison upon him. He Cain knew the perfect will of God. He knew the perfect will of God. Cain knew it. Why? But he refused to do it. He proved then to be the serpent seed. When he seen the perfect will of God, he refused to do it. He had seen God vindicate Abel's message. He knew that was the will of God. He seen God vindicate Abel's message. And what did God say to him? And um, he just he said, uh, "Do the same. Do, worship like your brother, and, and you'll do well." But see, he seen the perfect will of God, but he didn't want it. They won't add something to it. And these theologians see this Bible, they read it, but they don't want to do it. See? It shows the serpent seed. Yet seen it vindicated, and, and so simply before the people, but it seems like it's so hard for people to humble themselves to the Word of God. Don't you all find when you're talking to you women, the girls, about wearing long hair, and they say, Why you got your hair long? See? Why you wear your skirts down long? You go talking to them, they kind of give you the shoulder. Isn't that right? See, they know that's right if, there, if there's any lady in them. See, they know that's right. But you see, they can't humble themselves to that. See, that's what, see how Cain did? He couldn't humble himself to the vindicated Word of God. He couldn't do it. Oh, even the Pentecost said, well, Glory to God, hallelujah, I cut my hair and speak in tongues. Huh, that shows right there there's something wrong. <laughs> the seed's bringing forth something different. A seed, cannot, a seed of God cannot bring forth a bob-haired woman. It cannot do it. just can't do it because the Bible said so. You can't do it. No, sir. Now, it seems so hard to humble to God's Word. Notice it in Genesis 4, 6, and 7. I'm just reading off some scripture here. Do as Abel did. 
He said, if you, you see what your brother said, go ahead and do what Abel did. Do the same kind of service that he did, and, and I'll bless you. If you don't, sin layeth at the door. Now, sin is unbelief. If you don't do as Abel did, you see, I vindicated him and made him right. Now, if you don't do that, then it shows that sin, unbelief, lays at the door. See? And today they see what God vindicates. They see what God's doing. They see all these things happening. They know about it. God's showing his signs in the heaven above and on earth below and all these things like that. They see what's taking place, but they won't do it. See? Satan, serpent seed, smart, come out of seminaries, educated to the spot, every word, every, everything, stand up, hope it just is correct, and every word has to be exactly, their grammar has to be right, and everything like that. See? Sure, they can't humble themselves down. Not like that, see? They just can't do it. They don't, they just can't do it. Now, if not sin lies at the door, unbelief lies, then he become willfully disobedient. And when you know to do good and do it not to you, it's sin. If you know what's right and you don't do it, see? Then he become willfully disobedient. After the word had been vindicated, then he crossed the separating line. Then he was ousted from Eden. When he crossed, there's a line where you just go so far. And if you go any further over on the other side, you're out. You know that, don't you? There's a line. If you don't believe it, you read Hebrews 10, 26. That's the scripture I was referring to there. See? For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. That's the New Testament. Is that right? If we sin willfully, after we receive the knowledge that's been preached to you, read to you, proved to you, after we receive the knowledge of the truth, and you go ahead and unbelieve willfully, there's no more sacrifice for sin. But a fearful looking to the fiery indignation who shall devour the adversary. Is that right? See, you can cross that line. Like the children of Israel did in their journey coming through the wilderness. Israel did the same. After they heard Moses' message and seen it vindicated, listen to a false prophet. It said, oh, now look, children, we're all the same. We should marry one one another and we should do this. And Moses had told them different and seen God vindicated. Because Balaam seemed to be a more... Uh, uh, instructive man than Moses was, see? He come from a great nation where there's great people and it's all organized together. The land of Moab, great armies and great things that the people in them days would have feared. And here come a prophet down. A prophet, anointed one. False anointed one. See? Come down to a anointed one. Look how close. And taught the people and many of them went after that. Don't you never forget that. Went after the thing that wasn't the word, the vindicated, proven word. Don't let someone come in here and tell you something different. Watch what God's vindicating and proven. Now, if then people look back and say, Moses, God appeared in the skies and the man spoke into existence. Please, flies, frogs. Took out of existence, borrows the diseases. Opened up the Red Sea and we come and fed us manna out of heaven. Oh, that's our prophet. But here come another prophet down. Glory to God, I'm prophet too. Say, uh, you all, I tell you, uh, uh, you understand I use better grammar than Moses. Now, I'm this way and that way, see, and so forth. And the first thing you know, they fell apart, and every one of them perished right in the wilderness. Not a one of them lived. They never, they won't be in heaven, not one of them. Jesus said, they said, our fathers eat man in the wilderness, see? Pentecostal's right. They really come through all the experiences. They said, my fathers eat man in the wilderness, he said, and they're everyone dead. Death is eternal separation. They'll never rise again. Although they've been through all these experiences, figured he's speaking, they've spoken tongues and danced in the Spirit and everything. 
But when it comes to the showdown between the word, between two prophets, one of them on the word and the other off the word. Both of them prophets. You understand? Say amen. One on the word and the other off the word. Both of them prophets. Proven to be prophets. But one was with the word. See, false anointed ones in the last days. One prophet. Both of them prophets. One on the word and one, one vindicated by the word. And the other was not vindicated by the word. Cain and Abel again. See the two false? False and true? All right. But every one of them rotten in the wilderness and perished. Their souls are dead and gone. And they are right in the path of duty going to church. And the very things that God ordained them to do, but accepted a false teacher who wasn't vindicated by the word to be proven to be right. Yet he was a doctor of divinity and whatever more you want to call about a real prophet. But wasn't proved spiritually by the word and by the signs of God. And they perished in the wilderness. Righteous, honorable, religious people died and will never be in heaven. See where we got to walk? Understand? Don't let it. Look. Same as in the times Noah's seed word. Erected a floating transformation from the earth to the sky. It sounds crazy to the people to have a little cult like Noah had. And he told them, said, Thus saith the Lord. God has spoken, and there's coming a rain. Science and the educated and religious of that day said, Look like old quack. He's getting old, his mind's slipping. See? But he was right because he was a vindicated prophet. And then at the end time, his message was truly vindicated. What would he do? He transformed from the earth to glory by the ark of the word that he was preaching. It was transformed. The scientific spray rotted the rest of them in the judgment. They rotted up on the waters of the judgment of the flood. What are people trying to do today in this great scientific age of education? The Eden church restored again to its Eden scientific condition instead of the word word. Are they exalting the word of God? Is people trying to exalt the word of God? Or are they trying to exalt themselves? Which is it? Wonder. The church this deformed seed knowledge program has caused the whole race again by scientific to be scientifically ignorant of the Word of God. Scientifically ignorant of the Word of God. That's a big mouthful, isn't it? But they are. They can't be. It was when Jesus came. The day that Jesus came, them, them man know that Word of God just belittered, didn't they? Sure. But they were ignorant of who he was when they seen God on the wings of a dove perform and do just exactly what he said he would do. And he'd done just what the Word said. If I do not the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But he did just as the Word said he would do. And they were scientific men in them days, but scientifically eager to willfully sin, lust and blinded. They need God's Word to show her to show her nakedness. Uh, in Revelation 3, it said, I counsel thee to buy from me salve that your eyes might be open, that you might see your nakedness. The salve is God's Word. The healing of the eyes that brings you from natural things to the world and transforms you by the power of God into His presence. Then you see, you say, I once was lost, now I'm bound. I was blind. But now I see. Okay? It would be different. That's what the church's call is today. Is that I counsel thee to come by of me, sad for your eyes, that you might be.
be anointed with my saying, and then you'll see. Let the Holy Spirit come upon any person that's truly got something down there. To, a healing comes from the inside. Let that healing come from the Spirit that's in you. If it's a genuine spirit anointing, a genuine seed, it can't do nothing but bear a son or daughter of God. But the genuine spirit can come upon a, a cucklebur seed. The rain can fall upon a cucklebur and it'll make it live just the same as it falls upon a wheat and makes it live. But by their fruits, you know them. We're a fruit tree of God bearing his word. Jesus said, let a man deny himself and follow me. Let him deny his education, deny his knowledge, deny his degrees. Take up his cross and follow me. People has lost their common thoughts of decency. I'm running a little scripture down here just for us to go give myself about five minutes on it, ten minutes. People has lost their common decency among one another. They are they're not like they used to be. Man of age of brothers I hear no and women. People don't act like they used to be. They've lost their common understanding. The 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 mental uh, the mental effect it's had upon the people of these modern scientific uh, day that we're living in has caused people to lose their natural reasoning. They can't regard somebody, a woman, as a sister and a brother. It's something filthy as soon as they... And the women has to dress themselves so immoral to get out amongst people. And they say, I'm a good woman. Well, what she put herself out there like that for? She's blinded. Well, if, if, you're, if one of these sisters here of, of a little age... If your mother, my mother, would have walked out on the streetway one of these women, they'd put her in the insane institution. She didn't even have enough mind to know to put on her clothes. Well, if it was insanity then, it's insanity now. Still the same type of woman. See? But they've lost all their decency, all their understanding. They've lost their with modern understanding, with culture and education. It's healthier to be. It's sinful in death. Notice. They are all not like they used to be. When the, and notice, in the church life, it used to be in the church life long ago when the prophet had something to say, Thus saith the Lord, the people moved. They stayed right with it. They moved. But now, I don't like it. Uh, vote him out. See, they don't have understanding no more. They're people just don't move by the Spirit of God more. God's Word is His Spirit, and His Word comes to His prophet, and the Word is supposed to transform you from what the things of the world are into the image of sons and daughters of God. And the Word can only come through these prophets as they spoke. And it had to be compared with the Word and show that it was the Word. Then if you accept that Word, it'll transform you from a son of God, a daughter, or from a son of the world, a daughter of the world, to a son and daughter of God. Look at you in here. How many had that experience? Every one of us. We've had that experience because it was spoke, it was believed, and the word came forth and fell into the bed of the heart, and there it rolled right out of it. See? Transforming yourself. His Holy Spirit transforms the seed word into its likeness. Like if a pear tree brings forth a pear, apple tree, an apple, things like that, his word will bring forth sons and daughters of God. That's what it's supposed to do. One day when the world lay in darkness and chaos again, the Spirit of God moved upon and the predestinated seed, a predestinated seed, the predestinated, it was transformed. It took Isaiah 9 and 6. Now that prophet said, what a, a man that had a sway over the nation. The people, the religious people of his days believed him. Not all of them, they never did. But this prophet, they'd seen that man speak things that it was exactly right. What he had said was perfect. It had come to pass. And here this man has to stand up before his people and say, a virgin shall conceive. Oh, our reason. 
But you see, God didn't speak it himself. He speaks it through his prophet. Now, there wasn't nothing wrote in the Bible about that. But this prophet says, a virgin son, in Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. His name shall be called Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Now, if a virgin shall conceive, that word was spoke which is a germ, the bed has to be there to receive it in someday. He searched through the land. There wasn't any. He went through the land. There wasn't any. And Britain there, 800 years later, that predestinated seed found a bed. And she come to growing. Just like God did being, let there be light. Maybe 800 years later, come forth the light. Let there be a tree. It come forth like that again. Everything that he says, here's a predestinated seed, bring it forth, Emmanuel. God with us. And to him shall the Gentiles seek. And that's who we seek to today. Jesus, you see. Predestinated seed. Satan tried to spray it like he did Eve. He tried to spray it, but he failed. With his repellent on here, he was a predestinated seed. They couldn't take him in to make him a Pharisee or a Sadducee. They couldn't make him belong to any organization. He was God's predestinated spoken word. Satan couldn't throw his unbelief on him. He had a repellent on him. God spray us with a repellent. In my prayer. That's right. Then the Spirit moved on him and sent him to Calvary, to the cross, to bring light in this day and life to all the predestinated seeds to the church of this day, transforming sons and daughters of God into his presence. Don't stumble at the word predestination. I went through that. You see. Ephesians 1, 5. <laughs> just as you were, look, just as you were in your father, as I said the other night, just as you was in your father at the beginning, if you wasn't, you wouldn't be here. But you see, it had to go to a bedding ground in order to bring you forth. And now, you're his son. You're his daughter. See, it's a seed. And then if you ever, if you are a Christian now, a genuine predestinated seed, you was in God before there was a, you always was in God. The germ of your life, which is the uh, attribute of God, which was his thought. Say, for instance, this pretty little lady sitting here. See? God said, in the day there will be a girl. Her name will be so-and-so. She'll be this, thus, and this. And even though to this very hour she sat and listened to the message dressed in a red dress. That was his thought. Whoever your husband is and whoever he is, and hey, we're bringing this together, and you sit here and, and this, this city is this day. There could be no way for you to fail it because you're growing. As long as your seed inside growing, you have to produce just exactly what the seed said you would do. Exactly. It's his word. He keeps his word. He watches over it. He's in your father as a germ, and you come forth as a daughter. You, you, every one of you, brothers and sisters, you come forth. And if you wasn't in your father, then you wouldn't have been here. And if you wasn't in God, if you believe the message of the Bible and the present message of the day, a vindication of it, the reason you're sitting here is because you were predestinated to sit here. You wouldn't have been here otherwise. You'd been out on the street, maybe drunk, some of you, and some of you out here and run around some other man's wife, and you women out were married and run around some other woman's husband or something like that, see? But you were predestinated to be here. See? You can't help it. You have a father, he's God, and you are a seed. And when he come to a place, he got you out of where you was in him then as a thought. Now you are a person that can fellowship with him. See, like you was in you was in your fathers at the beginning, but now you're sons and daughters who so you can fellowship with your parents. Now we're sons and daughters of God who can fellowship with our Father God. It's just as beautiful. Don't you like that? Then yeah. you become like him, and you if we were sons, then your attributes, and was in his form at the beginning, 
And remember, if you was in him at the beginning, and when Jesus, which is God, the Word, made flesh and dwelt among us, then you were in him and stood the insults that he took. You went to Calvary with him, in him. You died in him. You arose in him. And now you're seated together in heavenly places in him. If I'm an American, I stand all of her shame. I stand all of her glory. Ever what she was, I am. I'm an American citizen. I was. I landed on Plymouth Rock. Yes, sir. I landed on Plymouth Rock. I signed it. I was in the hall that morning when they signed the Declaration of Independence. I signed it with them. I'm part of her economy. I signed the Declaration of Independence. That's right. I was with Washington, the Valley Forge, when he crossed the river. I was there that morning. I prayed with him. I was. You were as American. If you're American, you was. For everything America is, you are. I hoisted the flag on Guam. I helped them do that. I took every fort. I bore her shame as a revolutionary. Whatever she was, I am. And whatever Christ was, I am. What he is, I am. Oh, God. If he's considered a fanatic, so must I be. If he was a, a Beelzebub, by his works of his spirit, I am too. Whatever he was, I am. Whatever he was, you are. We must be the makers of her immortality, her freedom or her fame, her glory or her shame. We must be that. We must be the church, the bride of Jesus Christ. I lived with him on the earth when he lived. I died with him when he died. I rose with him when he rose. I'm assembled and seated with him now in heavenly places because I'm part of him. Wherever he is, there I am. Where my servant is, there will I be also. Now, he can fellowship with us and through us and rest his word with us, which we are a part of his word. We, if he is the word and we are part of him, then we are part of the word. And how can I deny I got a hand? No matter how much some idiot would, excuse me, some scientist would say that I, that I haven't got a hand. I got a hand. I know I got a hand. I use it. Now I know I got a God. I got a Savior. I feel him in my soul. I, I'm part of him. That's what this word says. That's what I am. And if I didn't deny one part of this, I'd be like denying I got a hand, a ear, and I, I couldn't do it and remain a human being in my right mind. Neither can I deny any of God's word and remain in my right, the right spirit of God. I've got to take what the denomination says or what God said about it. You cannot do it. Now, transforming. He can transform us through uh, His Word that we can rest because we are a part of it. And Now, there's many things and talk about my natural birth. There's many things in my natural birth that I can't brag on. I'll tell you that. I ain't got nothing to brag on. My mother was a sinner to begin with. My father was a sinner. And they come out of a bunch of cutthroats and gunfighters and most of them died with their boots on, drunks and bootleggers and everything else out of Kentucky. My mother, a half Indian, and I, I have got nothing to brag on. I can't brag on my family tree. But glory to God, there's one thing I can brag on, my second birth, which comes from Jesus Christ. I can brag on that parent that we have. For he is my father. He's my savior. He's my redeemer. I can brag on everything that he has he's done for me because now I become his son. I'm no more son of Charles Bennett. I'm a son of Jesus Christ. That's right. I can brag on my birth now. I can't brag on my first birth. There's nothing. I'm ashamed of that. But I'm not ashamed of my second birth. No, no. I'm not ashamed of my second birth. How do you do it? By the washing of the water by the Word. That's right. Truly predestinated believers stay with the Word. And they won't pervert it. It can't be perverted. Oh, sons and daughters of God, why can't we have this great fellowship that we 
ought to have with all the sons and daughters of God. We should have it, but they just won't do it. That's all, because they're not truly sons and daughters. And the, see, as I said the other night, I was going to add that row down here, but I haven't got time to get to it. I'm quitting now. That little inside of the inside. That's where you start, which is your soul. Then come from that, your spirit. And then you become a living being. Now, the living being has five senses to contact. The second has five senses. That's the outside body, see, taste, feel, smell here. The inside body has love and conscience and so forth, five senses. But the inside of the inside, the control tower, it's either God or Satan. And you can mimic any of these things. You can contact like, like, the, like a Christian, or you could cast out devils like a Christian. But the inside control tower, the beginning, the origin, isn't of God. It'll never return to God. You understand it? Did not Judas cast out devils? Did not Caiaphasus, the one who condemned him and put him to death, even prophesy? But he couldn't stay with the Word. That's right. Transformed from the church and the world into sons and daughters of God. Notice, just in closing on. And now, how the wandering sons of God, wandering out there in the world, some of them, this denomination from denomination to denomination, like wandering stars, never stable, like a leaf on a water in the autumn. We used to see it, Leo, back in the east there, the leaves would blow down on us, and every little wind would blow it from this side to that side. But God wants us to be stable, anchored in Jesus, the storms of life I'll brave. Anchored in Jesus, I fear no winds or waves. Whatever it is. Many of you remember the inch Cape Bell, when he's a school boy in his farm, to meet the condition of the promised word. They were old. Abraham had received the promise of Sarah when he was 75. She was 65, past menopause, lived with her since she was a girl, a half-sister. And to keep that promise, both of their bodies was transformed from an old man and woman to a young man and woman to meet the promise of the day. Glory to God. That makes me feel so good. I don't care what I was. I don't care how I come here. We can be transformed to meet the promise of this day. When we can dwell together in unity and the sweetness of the Holy Spirit and live as brothers and sisters. Enoch, his whole body was transformed to meet a type in God. And he was taken to heaven without even seeing death. Enoch was. Elijah done the same. Jesus' body was transformed from a dead, cold farm puffed, beat until he's bruises his his ribs stuck through his back and his and his heart was run through with a spear probably that wide, stabbed right through his heart and blood and water came from, even the moisture from his body left and the blood run down the spear and off his feet and trickled onto the ground and he was so dead until the moon and stars said he was dead. The earth said he was dead. Had a nervous prostration, the, the rock shook out of the earth and everything, everything said he was dead. Even God hit his face, he's dead. But his body was transformed. Why? Because God said, I'll not leave his soul in hell. Neither will I suffer my holy one to see corruption. There's no way to do it. Some of these days our bodies may be stretched out in the casket. We may come, you may come and look upon me, laying in a casket. I may come and look upon you, might have, have uh, say the last words over you, or something like that. But you'll never keep us in the grave. They may lay rocks over you, they may bury you in the sea, they may do whatever they want to, but the transforming power of God. Second Thessalonians said, I would not have you eager, brethren, concerning those that are asleep. 
For we say this to you too, by the commandments of the Lord, that the trumpet of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain, as the song said this morning, shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. The transforming power of God has taken us from the chaos of science and education and the things of the world and the understanding of this modern day has transformed us now into sons and daughters of God and even death itself can never hold us in the grave. We'll be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Oh, you mean to say, I mean to say that that's the truth. Jesus, that word stood on the earth, which was the word? The one that was raised up and raised Lazarus, he said, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. There's no way to stop the living word of God. It's got to rise again. And from all this chaos of this modern scientific Eden that we're living in, of culture and, and uh, science and education, all this modern stuff, we'll rise, this robe of flesh will drop and rise and seize the everlasting prize someday. We'll go through the air and this will all be over for the Word of God that's brought us from these modern thinking of our mind, transforming our mind into the renewing of our hearts towards God and our spirits. That same Spirit that spoke that has transformed us this far and it also will take us into His presence, into His glory with a glorified body. They shall build houses, they shall inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards. In all of our scientific search, we plant a garden. Our sons come along and take the fruit from it and His sons come to take it from Him. And they plant in another and eat, and they build in another heaven. But long will be the days of my servants. They'll be there in their offsprings with them. They'll build in another and not inhabit. They'll plant in another and eat thereof. What? The very God, the very prophet, that the word of God said, A virgin shall conceive, promised us this. How do we get it? We are potentially there right now. See? Because God said so, it has to be. When he raised Lazarus there, so don't think this is strange. For an hour is coming when all of us in the grave will hear the voice of the Son of Man and shall come forth. Some to shame and some to life. What is it? Transforming. Transforming by the Word of God. Making us sons and daughters of God and will also give us life in the world to come. Oh my. What more could I say? Listen not to the thing. Covet not this world's vain riches. That so rapidly became. Build your hopes on things eternal. They will never pass away. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Let's sing it. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Here it is.
Don't notice science, what it can prove if it's contrary to the Word. Don't notice the church, what it says, if it's contrary to the Word. For we hold to God. Times change. Science changes. The hold of that hand, it can't change. Father God, in the presence of you, as we have assembled here this morning and just taken a lengthy, long, drawn-out message, oh Lord, I pray that you'll place them seeds out in the hearts of these people. Remember, Lord, we pray that we're frail and our structure's frail and we sometimes we don't know which way to turn. Dear God, you turn us. Lead us by thy great spirit, Lord. Help us. Never leave us alone, Father. You promised you wouldn't. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'll be with thee. And Father God, we pray that you'll guide our brother and Leo and Jean. Make them, Lord, the kind of leaders that you would have over this people here. Not using their own thoughts, but let the great Holy Spirit direct them in what to do. Bless these men and women, these young children like Lord to me. And I, I, I pray that you'll keep them in long life. Let, if it be possible, Lord, let us live to see his coming. We believe we will because we see everything so close now. It's so close. Grandfather, we commit them to you with ourselves now to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry I kept you that long. I love you.